Welcome to Inside the Draft, a weekly preview of the upcoming NFL Draft with insiders from around the country. Hey, welcome back to Inside the Draft, our weekly look at the upcoming NFL Draft here on the Colts Audio Network, Colts.com, and the Colts mobile app. I'm Matt Taylor. We're just days away from the first pick going off the board. It's finally here. The Carolina Panthers will set the draft in motion coming up on Thursday night with the first pick. Colts currently have the fourth overall pick. They also possess pick number 35 in the second round, a pick in rounds three and four, three picks in round five, and two picks in round number seven. And joining us today to preview the draft, Emory Hunt, NFL Draft Insider from CBS and CBS Sports HQ, and a former running back himself at Lafayette with the Raging Cajuns. Emory, thanks for the time today. How are you? I'm doing fine, man. I appreciate you guys bringing me on the show. Indeed. So let's start with with you being a former running back, Emory. Let's begin there because one of the best running backs in this draft based on the projections is Bijan Robinson out of Texas. But there's this debate and muffled hype about his value because of the position that he plays at running back. The myth is you don't draft running backs in the first round because you can get good value on those guys later in the draft and first round running backs don't get second contracts anyways where are you on Robinson in this draft and where would you feel comfortable drafting him based on his versatility I feel like a lot of people just talk just to talk when they speak about that particular position and taking guys in the first round we know um, the elite talent goes in the first round I'm not gonna not take Barry Sanders in round one because I can get Darrington Evans in round six. No, that's just dumb. I'm going to take the best player early. And there's no shade to Darrington Evans. And I said all that to say, when you think about B. John Robinson mm-hmm. and his elite talent, you think about Jameer Gibbs and his elite talent, and you think about those two things in the same breath that people say, well, you don't give these guys a second contract. Well, wouldn't it make more sense to take the elite talents then in the first round so you can get that fifth year and you decide after that, okay, Let's go back into the first round, get another one, and not resign this guy. Or we should extend him. It makes sense to get them while they're younger in round one, uh, as opposed to on the back end. And the thing about it is, we do this with every other position except running back. And when it's week six or week nine out there on the field, no one cares that Jonathan Taylor went round two. They just want him to continue rushing for touchdowns and a lot of yards in big games. So I totally dismiss the nonsense that people spew out there. There's just a lot of people talking loud on Twitter. And then it ultimately <laughs> becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. You know, because when mm-hmm. you have a Jonathan Taylor going in round two, well, see, look, you get Jonathan Taylor in round two. Well, he should have went in round one. Yeah, no doubt about it. No doubt about it. And and with Robinson specifically, I mean, you've seen him line up in the slot. He can obviously carry the football. He can catch the ball out of the backfield. I mean, just overall football player-wise, where does he rank with other playmakers in this draft in terms of value and bang for your buck because of all that he can do? Well, he's a first-round talent, but he's not my number one running back. My number one running back is Jameer Gibbs. Mm -hmm. Um, And when I extrapolated my grades over the course of four seasons, 2020 to 2023, Bijan finishes third uh, with with his grade behind Jameer Gibbs and DeAndre Swift. I was a big DeAndre Swift fan coming out of Georgia. I just feel like you touched on it. When you have a guy like Bijan and also a guy like Jameer Gibbs that runs routes like receivers, it makes you a complete back in today's game. It makes you a complete threat and a game-breaker. And to me, game-breakers deserve to go in round one. So if I needed a back, if I was one of these teams like the you know 
the Dolphins who don't have a first-round pick, trying to figure out how I can get myself back in the first round. If I'm a team like Buffalo or even a team like New Orleans or Philly people talk about or Tampa Bay, there's a lot of teams that could use Bijan or Gibbs in this class. All right, well, let's uh, hone in on quarterbacks now, Emery. How close is your evaluation? Give me, give me your evaluation of C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young because these are the two guys you always read about and hear about going first and second in whatever order. Which one do you have more confidence in to have a long, consistent, and productive career? I view this quarterback class like I viewed the 2017 class. And so back then – my grades were Watson Mahomes and Deshaun Kaiser, one, two, and three, with the same grade, right? And so I didn't care who you took out of those three. Now, in this class, I look at it as Richardson, Young, Stroud, in that order, but all have the same grade. So whether you want to make a case for Stroud or make a case for Young, I'm fine either way. I think both guys are excellent quarterbacks. They win in different ways. Uh, I compared Stroud to more of a Troy Aikman type, you know, a guy that is, is going to win consistently from the pocket, has good pocket mobility, um, very accurate like Troy Aikman. That's where the comp com, you know, comes from. His accuracy is ridiculous, and his placement is ridiculous. Young is a little bit more dynamic. He's more of the Russell Wilson type, a guy that can scramble, not necessarily a dynamic runner, but he can run and also does a good job of sliding and getting himself out of dodge. And Richardson is the one that is, I would swing the fences for because I like the athleticism and I like the potential of a guy that's 20 years old and one of his biggest knocks is experience, which you should be able to give him that if you draft him in the first round. You know, Emory, looking at the Texans, they're a fascinating part of this equation when you factor in the the top four picks in the draft. Colts currently sitting there at number four. You know, D'Amico Ryan's now their head coach in Houston comes from San Francisco where they had a great roster. It wasn't all about the quarterback. You know, that's why they were maybe able to sustain the injury to Jimmy Garoppolo, go far in the playoffs with a rookie quarterback, drafted in the seventh round in Brock Purdy. To me, it's all about their evaluation. Do the Texans, do you think they see C.J. Stroud worthy of the second pick? And, and how surprised would you be if the Texans didn't draft a quarterback there too? I would be very surprised if they didn't take a quarterback at two. I feel like if you're sitting at two and you're Houston, you got to have a high grade on two of the three quarterbacks mm-hmm. that I mentioned. Um, because to me, they got to get that position right. I think that team is ready to compete in the division. There's a lot of talent in Houston. They just didn't have the guy they can trust consistently week in, week out under center. And so when you add more talent to that and you have a guy that can at least steady the ship as a competent rookie, I think you give yourself a chance. So I feel like if they're doing their job the right way and they don't have a high grade or feel comfortable enough with two of the three guys, I'm not going to say all three, but two of the three guys, Mm -hmm. then it could be a problem for them this upcoming season. That's Emory Hunt with us. And you mentioned Anthony Richardson in a previous question. Doubling back to him, teams may be swinging for the fences to grab him. What's your confidence level in him going to the NFL because most GMs, Emory, they're big believers in accuracy and winning from inside the pocket. Ultimately, that's what the game comes down to. How confident are you that he's going to be better in the NFL in those two areas, playing from the pocket and being more accurate? Extremely confident because a lot of the things that you mentioned are, are things that he's proven on tape. 
Um, when you think about Anthony Richardson, and a big reason why he's my number one, you talk about can he go up in levels and play consistently against better competition. Well, guess what? He played in the SEC. That's the best of the best, right? So you look at his completion percentage, and a lot of times it's just funny numbers with completion percentages. And if you look at his receiving core, they weren't that good. So what if I say I'm going to surround him with an Alex Pierce, mm-hmm. with a Isaiah McKee, a Michael Pittman, with a Mo Alley Cox and those guys. I think his completion percentage is going to jump up within the high 60s. Oh, by the way, you got to be able to win in situational football. And I think he did a great job situationally that's converting on third downs, that's inside the red zone. Why? Because of his athleticism, not just to get out there and perhaps break it for an 80-yard run, but for his ability to move within the pocket and find someone deeper down the field. And his deep ball accuracy is actually the best in the class. So for me, I think all of his issues are completely um, team-related. That's why, ideally, I would love to see him go to Indianapolis. I think that's a tailor-made, pun intended, fit for him because I can see him paired with Jonathan Taylor and Taylor probably approaching 2,000 yards rushing because of the added benefit of the mobile quarterback in the pocket. And so when I look at Richardson, it's not like he has fatal flaws. Mm -hmm. This was his first year start. He probably should have started last year over Emory Jones. And the one game I always point people to is the 21 game against LSU where he proved this was a guy that should be the starter and played a great game, uh, a great game that shows he can overcome adversity, can win from the pocket, can win when you need him to, and did a great job uh, overcoming the early mistake he made in that game to get them back in the ballgame to have a chance to win on the last drive. So you've got Richardson as your top quarterback. You have him as, as in terms of being in consideration there at number one overall. Uh, if you're the Carolina Panthers, you would highly entertain that. I would highly entertain it. it, it I always, always ask coaches, mm-hmm. especially coaches defensive-minded, which quarterback would you not want to face? Ten times out of ten, they'll say, I don't want the guy that I have to account for with my 11th guy. Right. Because defenses are usually playing from that advantage all the time. So when you have to now account for an Anthony Richardson to you know not only just take off and scramble and get down, but this joker can go 80 yards? Like, this is insane. Like, that's the worst <laughs> type of quarterback to face. Um, and I'm not saying that other guys aren't mobile, but I'd rather face the mobile guy than the dynamically mobile guy. So mm-hmm. um, Richardson would be highly in consideration for me, especially if I'm a team like either Houston or Indianapolis. All right, fascinating stuff, great stuff. Emory Hunt is with us. And and going one one step further, I guess one pick below. What do you see happening with the third pick, Emory? Do the Cardinals stay at three, or do you see that being traded? And who do you think might be in the mix in the running to grab that pick team wise? If quarterbacks go one two respectively, you know what what's going on on the phone lines with that third pick, and and what does Arizona want, and and what would ultimately cause them to to trade back and make that third pick up for sale? The worst thing that happened to Arizona was Carolina trading up to number one. Because if you were going to entertain offers, you kind of have to look at it like, all right, you got to give me obviously multiple first-round picks, but you have to give me a starter in return too because there's no way on the Brian James internet am I passing up Will Anderson. Mm-hmm. That to me is a Terrell Suggs clone, and they need help defensively. They need help on both sides of the ball. And you won't be able to trade down to get 
a Will Anderson. You would probably have to trade down to four. If Indy, if you trust Indy and you trust Jim Ursay to not change his mind in you know the last second to say, hey, man, we're taking the quarterback. Okay, cool. We'll move down one spot. And then he goes, nah, we're going to take Will Anderson. I will be hot if I'm Arizona. But if I'm <laughs> Arizona, I'm stands pat. I'm taking the guy that affects the passer, that also affects the guy that's mobile in the backfield. Give me that disruptive force up front because you still have to win within the trenches in the NFL, and that will be hard to pass on the Will Anderson. All right. What other draft needs do you have for the Colts? And reassuming they, they take a quarterback there at four or maybe they move up, we'll see how it goes. But assuming they draft a quarterback in round number one, what else do you want to see out of the Colts uh, in terms of draft needs and things they need to address in this draft uh, starting in round two the rest of the way? I would say defensive back. And the reason why I say defensive back and not specifically corner or you know strong safety or something like that because I feel like they need to get a guy – that has that positionless value. They need corners, obviously. Um, you got young players there. You, obviously, you love Kenny Moore. Isaiah Rodgers, I love the way he competes, but you know, you kind of want someone that can give you that, that lockdown presence on the outside. Dallas Flowers is a tremendous special teamer and a really good defender as well, but I feel like another guy there is needed, especially with the way they've dealt with those injuries uh, over the course of the last couple of seasons. So I feel like defensive back, whether you go corner or safety, mm-hmm. is someone that they should target uh, in that second round. Hey, doubling back to quarterbacks, I apologize. Hendon Hooker for you. Where where would Hooker rank for you had it not been for his injury? Where where would he rank among these other top four quarterbacks that we so consistently talk about in Young and Stroud and Richardson and Levis? Where would Hooker be if, if everything was even and he was healthy and uh, continued to have his terrific campaign that he was having last year at Tennessee well to me Hooker right now has he's graded out as my QB six so he's behind um, Jaron Hall and for him and Jaron Hall the quarterback out of BYU they have I have the same issue with both guys Uh, one is their age um, because they're older prospects but you also have the injury concern Hooker now you have the the ACL injury with Hall it was mainly concussions and a few knickknacks over the course of his career uh, so both guys, with that being the backdrop, I think they are what they are, which is fine. If So for me, it would be team-specific for you – know, so let's say if you're Houston and you don't want to take a Bryce Young or a C.J. Stroud or Anthony Richardson at two, but you think you can get him the hooker at the top of round two or maybe trade back in to get a third first-round pick, then you do it. Um, if you're the Raiders and you miss out on the top three guys and – you get a position player at, at number seven and you want another young guy mm-hmm. at quarterback hooker will be the guy will target in the second round. I feel like those guys are, you know, more at their ceiling. They're ready to play. So it would be more for a team that needs a, a guy that can, a, a veteran guy that can help guide the ship or drive the bus. I know I made that case for Bryce Young or CJ Stroud, but they still have upside potential because of their age. But someone like hooker, could be that second-round starter like we saw in Andy Dalton, like we saw a Colin Kaepernick. Some of those guys that, that come in the second round and play really well. All right, last thing with you, Emery. Give me your, your late first-round pick or multiple picks, just a handful of guys that we're not talking about going in to the first round of the draft that are going to make a difference in their first year in the NFL, right? We don't really know their names now. But this time next year, we're going to reflect on their rookie seasons and say, yeah, that guy was a big steal or had really good value based on where he was drafted in the first round. 
I don't know if he goes in the first round, but I will be the first one to, to make the case for Deion Henley, the linebacker out of Washington State. Every time I watch him play, whether it was live and, you know, when I'm preparing for a broadcast and watching the Washington State-Wisconsin game, he's making tackles all over the field. Or when I was down at the Senior Bowl and he's locking up running backs in one-on-ones and catching interceptions. <laughs> or when I'm watching him on and watching him lock up receivers. And I'm like, this guy is always around the football. He reminds me so much of Fred Warner and what he brings to the table. And when you factor in, he's a player that, was a former receiver, mm-hmm. now playing linebacker. Love that aspect of it. And also, I've become now more a fan of Darius Rush, the corner from South Carolina, as opposed to his teammate, Cam Smith. Again, former college wide receiver, making a transition to corner, goes down to the Senior Bowl, does a fantastic job, has the best cornerback practice that I've ever seen a cornerback have at the Senior Bowl. You watch him compete. You go back to the tape, you watch what he did playing opposite of a Cam Smith team's tried him and he was able to answer the call. Right. You start to think of, okay, Richard Sherman had the same trajectory. I can see that for Darius Rush. Great stuff. Emory Hunt, NFL Draft Insider for CBS Sports, CBS Sports HQ. Emory, lastly, uh, where are we going to see you around draft time? Uh, hype up the content that you're going to be a part of, and, and how do you consume the draft and, and break it all down so people can find your work? Well, listen, follow me on Twitter at Fball Game Plan. Right now, you can go and get the largest draft guide in existence. It's the Football Game Plan 2023 Draft Guide, over 1,000 individual scouting reports. No one has that available. They can't tell you they have that because it doesn't exist outside <laughs> of mine. Yep. That's where you would find a Dallas Flower Scout report, a Rodney Thomas Scout report that we had. We would have had the Grover Stewart Scout report, full Scout report for prospects like this at footballgameplan.com slash 2023 draft guide. And you can find me on CBS Sports HQ on day three. I'm Mr. Day Three. <laughs> That's where I find the Rodney Thomas. Yes, sir. And the Isaiah Rodney world. So Dallas Flowers out of Pittsburgh State. Listen, so follow me on CBS Sports HQ day three. I'll be on the coverage from the morning until the last pick and even afterwards talking about what your guys have done, what you guys have done mm-hmm. on day three in the draft. I love it. You got to stay right there because you just open up a whole nother can of worms. Rodney Thomas, you're right. I mean, for, for guys like me that we, we were watching NFL for six straight months, we're not glued into the college football game like you are on a week to week basis and certainly covering this year round when it comes to the draft. Rodney Thomas, I mean, we didn't even know what position to to label him as coming out of, of, of Yale there, Emory. How surprised were you that he transitioned so well to safety and had the year that he did have last year becoming a mainstay for the Colts in the starting lineup in the secondary? Not overly surprised. And, and, and you know, here's my thing, and I'm glad you asked this question because it's about guys getting opportunities. So if – no one from a smaller school gets drafted, then no one has to talk about the small school prospect as being a serious contender. But if you go back, I had a higher grade on Grover Stewart out of Albany State. I had a really good grade on Champlin. I did one of his broadcasts at Harvard when he yep. played Georgetown. Mm-hmm. And I saw the athleticism of Rodney Thomas. I'm like, this dude has that athleticism, that pro-level athleticism. So I, I wasn't as shocked, but I, I just – I always try to hammer home to, to fans and to people in the media as well. Like the world is bigger than the SEC and there's a lot of good football right, because right. 
because of the 85 scholarship limit, it, you know, talent is going to get pushed down to the FCS and D2 level. So you're going to get some guys that probably should be group of five talent playing at Albany State or playing at Yale. And, you know, when you see these guys come in, come out of high school as, you know, taller, you know, slower receivers, they develop into an Andrew Ogletree out of Youngstown State who now is an elite tight end prospect out of Youngstown State. And you're like, wow, where did that guy come from? Well, he was a slow receiver coming out of high school, and he was able to develop. And I feel like that's why I'm excited about the XFL, the USFL, those alternate leagues, mm-hmm. because these guys can have an opportunity to show their their talent, showcase their talent. But there's a ton of really good, you know, lower-level prospects out there. There's not a lot, a lot of spots on an NFL roster. Well, the Colts have a ton of day three picks, Emory. They've got three in round five and then round seven, so they're going to be busy on Saturday of the draft. And so uh, keep your phone on if you don't mind. I'd love to circle back with you and talk about some of those uh, potential diamonds in the rough that the Colts might be drafting on day three of the draft, if you don't mind, and hype those guys up as we try to get to know them better heading into next season as rookies. Maybe do that a week or two after the draft if you're up for it, Emory. Listen, absolutely, and I'll tell you this. Find you a draft analyst that is at every All-Star game. I was at all eight this year, and that also includes my time going to the East-West Bowl, which mm-hmm. is the Canadian All-Star played before the season, which is where I saw Carter O'Donnell out of Alberta dominate up there, so I knew about him before he even got to the state. So here's the thing. I will keep my phone on. You <laughs> promise to hit me up. Yes. And I promise to fill up the old fan base with, um, with all the good info. Oh, yeah. We're going to be dropping some knowledge, man. That's outstanding stuff. Emery, this is our first chance to talk with you. Great stuff. Really appreciate it. Excited about it. And uh, continued success with you, footballgameplan.com and CBS Sports HQ. That's Emery Hunt. Emery, appreciate it very much, and we'll do it again soon. Looking forward to it, man. Appreciate you, as always, for bringing me on.